Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. You can visit rachelcarmen.com to join her online community of moms who are taking the dare to be in the word themselves as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. While you're there, be sure to sign up for updates, and you will also receive a free gift from Rachel when you sign up. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, moms. It is time for our next installment on our series, Who is God? And this is not purported to be an exhaustive study by any stretch of the imagination. It is one of my most favorite topics to talk about and discuss and to challenge you about because when we get who God is, it changes everything. It makes all the difference. If we have the wrong view of who God is, We don't worship, we don't trust, we don't obey, we don't live the lives that he has made us to live. Yes, you have been made with a purpose, for a purpose, to give glory to God in everything you do and say. So again, getting who God is is core. It's foundational for us to live the lives, the flourishing lives that God has intended for us to live. So today, we are going to look at what is God yet to do. We did three sessions on who God is. We talked about what he's already done. We talked about what he's doing now. And now we're going to talk today about what he is yet to do. And I'm here to tell you, it's exciting news. Your God is an active God, a God who loves you, a God who is faithful. And in fact, if you'd like to do a study on this God, one of the books I highly recommend is A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy. It's a very readable volume. It goes through several of the attributes of God. It's a great place to start. It's a great tool for family worship around your breakfast or dinner table. I would would suggest that you pick up a copy of that. It is a timeless work as you endeavor to get to know who God is. And so as we've already looked at who this God is, that God who's done all these amazing things, who has shown himself faithful, who has entered into a covenant with us, who has sent his only son to die on Calvary's cross to pay our sin debt. That God, that Jesus who came, God with flesh on, who died stretching out his arms on Calvary, who died to pay your sin debt and my sin debt, he rose again on the third day. And 40 days after his ascension, having been with his disciples and taught them, after all that time, he ascended where? To the right hand of the Father. And yet, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, we have the delivery of the Holy Spirit by tongues of fire on the apostles. Take some time today, if you would to read the beginning part of Acts, which is actually part two of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, written by the doctor, Luke, who is giving an account so that we can know the story of Jesus. And Acts is actually a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. So take some time to read the first few chapters of Acts today, and in there you see 
when God sent his Holy Spirit. Because remember the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples is, I will send you a helper. You're not going to be alone. You can imagine there's three times in the book of Mark that we see Jesus telling his disciples, I'm, I'm going I'm to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. And all three times, no matter how clearly you and I read it in the gospel of Mark's account, the disciples didn't get it. They didn't hear it. They couldn't. It didn't make sense, right? This Jesus that they had determined to follow, that Jesus, they intended for him to reign. They were sure that he had come to end the Roman oppression. This was his moment, right? And yet he was warning them, yeah, guys, this isn't it. This isn't that moment. This isn't the moment of my reign. This is the moment that I come humbly, that I come as a servant, that I come to pay the sin debt of the world, that I come to do what brings my father the most glory, and that is to call all men to me, to pay the sin debt price, to make a way for man once and for all time to be reconciled with God the Father. That's why Jesus came the first time. That's why he came the first time. But the good news of what we want to talk about today is he's coming back. He's coming back in this interim period when you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that strengthens us, that grants us wisdom and discernment, that gives us ceaseless joy and hope you and I have the opportunity to live in such a way that we anticipate his return. He is coming back. He's coming back. And so the immediate question would be when? Hey, I want to know. I want a front row seat, right? We're all going to have one. We're all going. Nobody is going to miss his return. He is coming back, but we know from scripture, Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians, he's going to come as a thief. We're not going to know. It's not like there's going to be a neon flash in the sky. Just so you all know, you might want to get ready, right? Because tomorrow at 2 p.m., Jesus is coming back on the clouds. That's not, that's not what we get in the biblical narrative. Paul makes it clear that he's going to come like a thief when we least expect it. Look, probably like you, I would love to have this as a date on my calendar. I'd love to have it circled and highlighted and starred, right? I'd love to know exactly when he's coming back. There's a lot of things in my life and my attitudes and my actions that I would love, I would love to get in line, right, in anticipation of a specific date and time when he's coming back. But like all of the biblical narrative, we're called higher than that. I would suggest to you that if we did have a date and a time red-lettered and circled in our daily planners, it would be a low bar standard for our lives because you and I would probably do the same thing, and that is we'd clean up at the last minute, right? We wouldn't live as we've been called to live if we knew exactly, right, when he was coming back. And he's asking us to do something far greater far more self-sacrificial than what you and I would tend to do if we knew exactly when he's coming back. 
And so Paul admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians. He says, look, he's coming back. In fact, let me read it for you. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God. Won't that be a beautiful sound? My dad, when he was a young man, played the trumpet, and I, and I have to say to you, I, I never got to hear my dad play. And I would love to hear my dad play that instrument. Someday, the trumpet of God will sound. And Jesus will descend. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, we live down here. And we have trials and tribulations. We have loss and woundings and heartache down here. And Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica and he's saying, look, he's coming back. This isn't forever. Your trials, your heartbreak, your woundedness, your loss is not forever. It's not. He's coming back. He's coming back. And Paul says to this church under persecution, encourage each other with the knowledge that he's coming back, that this is a moment. This isn't forever. Look, our forever home is with him. That's the forever. This is a moment. This is only a moment. And we are to encourage each other with these words that whatever trial you're in, whatever hardship you're in, and and sometimes I'm recording this during the holidays, and sometimes the holidays can have their own set of mess, right? Their own set of hurt and hardship. And whatever yours is, and whatever it is that surpasses the holidays, just some ongoing trouble and agony in your soul and your spirit, Paul says here, let's encourage each other with the knowledge of knowing that this doesn't last forever. That's good news. That's good news. There comes a day when Jesus returns and all wrong things are made right. All of the wrong things are made right. Right, that other land, that other country that our hearts and minds long for, that justice that we long for, that hope fulfilled that we long for, that joy that is more than for but a moment, but it's forever, is fulfilled when he returns. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, we count it in the book of Matthew, describes what will happen when he returns. So he's coming back. We don't know when. It's going to be like a thief in the night, a time when we will not have been able to to anticipate it, right? We're going to talk about in just a minute what that means every day. If we don't know the day, what does it mean to me today to live in view of that day? But when he returns, we we know he's coming back. Why is he coming back? Well, the Nicene Creed says he is coming. He will come again to judge the living or the, and the dead. Or oh, I love the old, uh, the, the old version of that um, part of the Nicene Creed. He will come again to judge the quick and the dead, right? He's coming back to judge, to make all things right according to his standard of what? Perfectionist perfection in us. And this is good news. He's not coming back to make sure you and I did everything perfect all the time because we can't. We can't. 
He knows we can't. That's why he sent Jesus is because we can't. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead according to our faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, who was the perfect Lamb of God, who shed his blood on the cross beam of Calvary so that you and I would be reconciled to God. On that day of judgment, it says in Matthew 25, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. Those who chose to follow the great shepherd, the good shepherd, those who chose to put their trust in Jesus as the one, the one who made a way for them to be in right relationship with God. And those, those who rebelled against it, those who were like, yeah, no, I'm not, no, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do my own way, right? Those who chose to reject God, reject the gift, the free gift of Jesus Christ, and try desperately to do it on their own. Rachel Carmen has spoken across the country and around the world to moms about their struggles, successes, fears, and faith. They consistently share three things that zap joy and threaten the hope of moms today. They are overwhelmed, exhausted, and lonely. They want support and practical tools. They want to feel connected. What we have done is put together a community of like-minded moms to accomplish just that. Rachel, a homeschooling mom of seven, knows what the pit of despair is. She relates to the feeling of being overwhelmed, lacking in time in the word. And today, she wants to meet you right where you are. The truth is, you were not meant to do this alone. In the community, Real Refreshment, she will help you learn how to get done what needs to get done, how to study God's Word during your season of motherhood, how to make the most of the time given, and how to do it in fellowship with other moms just like you. Moms, we need each other now more than ever. Visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community today. God says, Jesus says here to his disciples, he's coming back to separate the sheep from the goats. And it's interesting to me, if we step back into the book of Genesis, what was the thing that we see God doing in the book of Genesis? We see him from the very beginning, separating light from darkness, water from dry land, sky. We see God making a separation and he's coming again. Jesus will come as our judge and he will again separate the sheep from the goats, those who said, I trust you. And those who said, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't. And he says, and this is a hard saying, this is a hard saying. You can take some time to read through Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And it says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Jesus says, these are the earmarks of those who are mine. Those who lived like this are mine. Those who served neighbor, those are mine. Those who fed the thirsty and the hungry, those are mine. Those who clothe the naked, those are mine. See, this is, this is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. This is the summary. This is how does it look 
to do what God, what Jesus himself characterized as the first and greatest commandment and the second which is likened to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is what that looks like. According to Jesus, when we give drink to the thirsty, when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we visit the sick, when we visit those in prison, we are indeed loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. And I would suggest to you boldly today, those are two things we cannot do unless we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We can't. I cannot do that. I don't have the patience to do that. I don't have the selflessness to do that. I don't have the perseverance to continue on doing that without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this is what separates the sheep from the goats, is living in such a way that we honor God. Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back on some arbitrary man-made timeline. Many have tried to pinpoint the day and the time. Paul says, no. And, and you can argue, well, well argue, that we are in the end times. Well, here's the deal. We're in the end times by virtue of the fact that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And t- from that point until his return, that is the end times. That's the end times. And all of the signs and the wonders that we see in Scripture pointing to his return have been happening during that period of time. We know he's coming back. We have that assurance. And we have an opportunity to live in light of not only his sure return and the celebration that you and I have an opportunity to have when he comes back to take us home. But we have the opportunity between now and his return to extend that loving grace to our fellow mankind as we seek to serve them. Because we know, according to Philippians 2, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on heaven and below heaven that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will come a day when even those who are lived in reckless wanton abandoned for self, they will one day bend a knee. And between now and then, we ought to live in such a way that God is honored and they are drawn to the truth of his good news. Now, so how do we take and live in light of that day? Because that's the objective, right? Living in light of that day Today And that's the opportunity. And I hope, I hope that I can get you excited about living in light of that day today. Because that's the opportunity we've got every single day to live in light of that day today. Three ways. And I'm going to say these is not an exhaustive list. You're going to hear me say that tons and tons and tons of times because it's not possible to exhaust the gospel message, the opportunities that God gives us, the length and breadth and depth of his love and faithfulness and goodness and kindness towards us. We can't, and certainly not in the length of a podcast, can I begin to unpack all that he has given us or all of the opportunities that he extends to us. But today I just want to give you three ways with the overarching theme of be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 19.2, this is the overarching invitation that God gives to you and me. 
this opportunity to be holy as he, the Lord our God, is holy. And that's not a holiness that we can do in and of ourselves. It is a holiness that is accomplished at Calvary and a process by which we lean in to his sanctifying work in our lives. And sanctification, big word, all it means, if you could just think of water purification process, if you can just think of think of some really stu- super du- duper dirty water, would you just for just a minute, and just think of this filter that you can put that water through, and on the other side of that filter, it's drinkable, and it's good, and it's sweet. Look, we go in to the filter of sanctification like that dirty water goes in. We're a mess. We're not just dirty. We're infected. We're infected with sin, and we're dangerous to consume. And yet God takes us and pours us through the filter of sanctification that takes out all the impurities. We can't do it ourselves. That water can't make itself clean and pure and good. It can't. But by that filter that removes all of the impurities. Another way to look at it is is gold. When you find gold and you have to burn off the dross. The scripture talks about this, 1 Peter. You've got to burn off all the impurities, right? Sometimes through fire. And the gold can't do that by itself. It requires the fire. The filter and the fire are two ways that you and I are purified through this process called sanctification. A process by which we become what we've been declared. We've been declared his through the process of justification. When I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am justified before God. And then it is sanctification, right? The process by which I become what I've been declared. I've been declared his son, his child. And then sanctification purifies me, filters me, burns off all that dross so that I can become what I've been declared. It's the preparation for that heavenly home that we've been promised that Jesus is returning to take us home to. So three ways to live. And this again, this arch of be holy for the Lord. Your God is holy. I love this. The first one is we are to live as we ought to live. Love this word ought. Old word. Love it. Paul uses it, especially in the NASB version, translation of the Bible. Love this word. You and I know. Romans 1 talks of the fact that man is without an excuse. We know. We know. And especially those of us who are endeavoring to follow God, we know. Why? Because we have the dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We know. And Paul says over and over, we should live as we ought live, not for ourselves, but for his glory, not for ourselves. And here we are in 2 Thessalonians. He talks about being alert and being sober. You and I should be on the alert, watchful, mindful, sober, not distracted. I'm going to tell you, I really believe that the enemy If he can't get you to sin, he is content just to get you distracted. And I don't know that there's ever been a time in history when there's been so many options for distraction. So many opportunities for you and I to not be sober and alert. So many means of escape. Instead of us being sober, I'm reminded of Augustine and his confessions and how soberly he laid out his confession while simultaneously acknowledging the goodness and the great greatness and the mercy and and the amazing faithfulness of God. We ought to live soberly and we ought to live alert to the temptations that lurk. 
and alert to the opportunities that God grants us to do as he would have us do to love him and to serve our fellow man. Number two, we, in our pursuit of being holy as the Lord our God is holy, ought to live focused. Live focused. Paul again writes about this in Colossians 1, when, uh, Colossians 3, excuse me, when he talks about setting our hearts and our minds on things above. And this is the point, right? We've already talked about the fact that Jesus is coming back. What if, because it, it ought not be a what if, we are called to live in light of his imminent return. That's how we're to live. And what if you and I focused up, focused up? What if you and I lived focused up, not focused down on the things of this world, but focused up? What if every face we see, we saw in view of his imminent return, an opportunity to show Jesus, to live fragrant, right? What if we were so up focused that other people were like, what is with that, right? We're to live focused up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our desires, everything focused up for his glory because he's coming back. Number three, live as we ought, live focused, live hopeful, live hopeful. You and I have the hope of the nations, reconciliation of man with God, having fallen to sin all the way back in Genesis. Jesus Christ came to make a way for you and I to have peace with God through his sacrifice on the crossbar of Calvary. We have this hope. We have this hope. This opportunity then to share this hope that surpasses, Paul writes about it as a peace that surpasses all understanding in Philippians 4. But again, in Romans, i got to read this to you. In Romans 5, Paul writes about this hope. Listen to this. It's so so powerful. Meditate on this. Take some time to meditate on this. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, right? Putting our trust in God, faith in God. We have peace with God, reconciliation through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into grace in which we now stand. And we exalt in the hope of the glory of God, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. What? What? Yeah. We exult in our tribulations. Remember what I said a minute ago? This is a moment. Persecution, hurt, hardship, tribulation. A moment. Paul says here, we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope, he writes, does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, hope is that confident expectation that God is going to bring it all together. He's going to make it all right. All wrongs righted upon his glorious return. That is our hope. We live with that hope that will not disappoint us. Jesus came. Jesus came as he was prophesied in the Old Testament and fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. Not only did he pay our sin debt on the cross of Calvary, but he rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. 
That is what God is yet to do. Now our charge is to live in light of that day today. I'll see you next time. Thank you listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. And while you are there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us to get the message out to other moms that need to be encouraged in their roles as mothers today. If you have a question, we invite you to send it to rachelcarmen.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, you can access Rachel's wonderful resources and real refreshment, the online community. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged and we need accountability in the word. I hope you will join us and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.